Welcome to On Strategy Showcase. I'm Fergus O'Carroll in Chicago. You can connect with me on LinkedIn. And as hopefully you know by now, we've dropped out of Twitter. I've got to actually report that it's nice to not be on Twitter. I actually feel a little bit more relaxed. So I would encourage others who are frustrated with the platform to maybe consider doing the same thing. As always, you can send questions about this episode or any of our other episodes to us at hello at onstrategyshowcase.com. And before we get into episode three, we just uh, released our sponsor kit for 2023, and we've got a bunch of new content planned for next year. In addition to our regular campaign showcase episodes, we're going to be producing a number of limited series that will each focus on marketing strategy in a different category. You know, for example, CPG or auto or fintech or QSR or, you know, you name it, we're going to be doing a bunch of them. And these are all outlined in our uh, sponsor kit. We're also planning a number of series that will focus on specific topics, including market research, consumer trends, media planning, corporate social responsibility, social media, et cetera. A a bunch of new stuff coming in at 2023 that will be uh, a great way to sort of surround some of those topics that are so critical to developing uh, work that is smart and on strategy. Uh, But we have to sort of remember that it's sponsors that make all of this possible for us. So we do need your help in getting the word out. Our sweet spot is sort of B2B brands that sell products or services into our industry. And if that's you or you know someone, please share our sponsor kit and get us connected with people. You can download the kit from the About tab on our website, onstrategyshowcase.com, or you can reach out and we'll be glad to uh, send the document to you. Anyway, that said, welcome to episode three of our six-part series on planning for effective outcomes. Today's focus is on metrics and measurement. In other words, how to organize and think about metrics that will allow you to measure and demonstrate impact. Uh, Our guest for this episode is Harry Davies. Harry was uh, head of sales data science and analytics at Google. Prior to that, he was head of Amazon marketing services in Europe. And he's now at Sage in London, leading marketing investment and effectiveness. Harry will talk us through ways to avoid common mistakes and ways to think about frame and socialize metrics within our organizations. So we're looking forward to that. Once again, I've invited uh, David Tiltman, SVP of Content at Work, the sponsor of this series, to join me in introducing this episode. Welcome, David. Good to be here, Fergus. So this is a great episode. Harry uh, is a super smart guy, and he covers a bunch of topics. Um, One of the things he makes clear is that there are various stages where many brands are doing things quite effectively, but there are other stages uh, in sort of the the hierarchy of metrics where things are not happening or not functioning as well as they can. And it, it really sort of leads down to this question of challenges that brands are facing. And I'm curious, what do you guys at work think are those common challenges brands face when when trying to sort of better attribute effects to marketing tactics or channels? Yeah, it's a really interesting question. Uh, and I think if, if we sort of look across the research we see and the conversations we have, uh, there are probably two recurring themes, two sort of big problems that come out. And I describe those as incrementality and time scale. So incrementality is about genuinely understanding if the activity that marketers are, are, are conducting is actually making a difference or if 
Uh, for example, we're just taking the credit for sales that would have happened anyway. That's that's a common uh, complaint around things like um, search marketing, for example. You know, are people are people just on their way to buy and they happen to click a, a paid for ad uh, on the way? Um, the second problem is timescale, which is understanding that what is most effective over a short period of time may not be the same as what's most effective over a long period of time. Now, what's happened over the past decade is that as more money has poured into first search and then social, and now things like retail media, um, the industry has become increasingly reliant on short-term measures like uh, ROAS, return on advertising sales, and techniques like attribution modeling. And these can be uh, very powerful and superficially very convincing. But often they'll tell you a completely different story to other techniques like um, econometric modeling, for example. And that's because they place different emphasis on things. So attribution modeling can overemphasize channels close to the point of purchase and, and underemphasize or completely ignore activity that takes place offline or that takes place weeks or months prior to the purchase. Uh, and so they are, do often make look, search look very, very powerful, for example, often much more powerful than different types of uh, studies would, uh, would suggest. So uh, it's a really interesting debate, and we are seeing a growing body of uh, examples of companies that have recognized uh, that they've, they've sort of been tracking the wrong thing or that their tracking has, has given them only a, a partial view of the market. So Airbnb famously switched off it's performance marketing during the pandemic, uh, and guess what? They saw uh, they saw no difference. So they completely changed their uh, marketing investment strategy. Um, we've recently seen uh, here in the UK an online retailer called ASOS, uh, and it, it's come out with some really bad results. And it, it's admitted it's it's done the same thing. It's it's been tracking the wrong thing. It's been too uh, too focused on uh, uh, on this sort of performance mindset. Lots of interesting things happening. Thanks, David. Thank you, Fergus. So this is episode three, Harry Davies. Uh, enjoy. But first, a word from our sponsor. We're delighted to have Wark as the sponsor of this special series. Wark is the authority in marketing effectiveness. They help you become more successful across strategy, media, creative, and digital commerce. Wark will give you the confidence to challenge the status quo and fuel the innovation needed to take your marketing effectiveness to the next level. With Wark, you can inspire your marketing thinking, maximize the effectiveness of your creativity, and prove your business case. Their unrivaled marketing intelligence is used by the world's leading brands, agencies, and media owners to create work that works. To learn more, go to work.com. That's W-A-R-C.com. And now back to the show. If I'm a marketer and I'm trying to sort of, I'm trying to approach developing my instruments and my methodology, um, where do I begin? Are there sort of major buckets in measurement and in tracking that we just have to be able to get right initially? What I think is probably the, the most important thing is, do, do you have the foundations in order to measure anything? And ultimately, you know, most businesses are trying to sell something. I mean, it's slightly different in the public sector. You might You might think about, okay, well, do we want to change behavior? Um, but that outcome, that ultimate business outcome or policy outcome, um, what is it? And have we got good data on it? 
So sales would be kind of the number one thing. Have you got that business outcome in a way that you can then measure that? And then kind of the other thing that you must, 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 must have. So I'd say that business outcome measurement is the kind of critical thing. And it seems odd to say that's a sort of critical thing that's surely table stakes, but you know, certainly (laughs) some businesses will not necessarily have a hundred percent coverage of that business outcome. Sometimes they just won't have, they just won't have that the sophistication within the systems to measure everything that they're selling, which is, which is scary, but, but I've seen it on a number of cases from tech to retail. Um, but like that business outcome, are we counting how many things that we're selling and for how much money? And do we have that in a structured way that we can then use? And then at the other end, do we know what marketing we're doing? Like how much we are buying, whether that's, you know, like the media channels, but then also those channels like email. Do we know how many emails we're sending? Literally the kind of how much money are we spending on it and what channels are we spending that on and how many people is that reaching? So kind of the very top and the very bottom, that has to be there because with those two things, you can start correlating the, um, do we, you can, you can plot them on a graph and you can say, yes, as our marketing spend goes up, our sales go up. Now, you don't at that point know whether there's a causal relationship, but you can be relatively comfortable that something's going on. And so those are the sort of table stakes. Now, most most clients have that. Then the, the stuff in the middle, so you want the marketing output at the top and the business outcome at the bottom. The stuff in the middle, the kind of outtake what do what do people get from your communications is the next thing that you want to concentrate on so things like brand tracking now i think that's where quite a lot of marketers need to spend a lot more time because they're good at the bottom often businesses are pretty good at reporting how many sales they've made and they're good at the top they know what they've spent money on as a marketing team i think the bit in the middle is the kind of fuzzy bit and just getting the data in then allows you to start analyzing, well, what is the relationship? Because actually, for the car company, they might not find that there's a relationship with people using the car configurator and sales. So if they find that out through modeling like econometrics, then they can say, okay, well, we're not going to use a car configurator what we might use instead is we see this relationship between something like share of search that you can report quite easily through google trends we see as our share goes up our sales go up therefore that's a good interim metric and it's it's about finding those interim metrics that then you can use as uh, ways of optimizing within a campaign and within your overall strategy because you're kind of big things like econometrics you might only do once a year or once every six months tell us about the hierarchy of evidence and how critical that is when you're sort of designing a measurement system or process within an organization 
Sure. So the expression hierarchy of evidence comes from um, medical science. And during the 1990s, the kind of medical industry realized they had a problem that doctors were making decisions based on, you know, old news. So stuff they learned at college 20 years ago, they were rolling out on rote and they weren't um, they weren't updating their knowledge enough to make good decisions. And so, and this happened globally, which was, which is fascinating, but also a little scary because I remember the 1990s and I would have hoped evidence-based medicine started a lot longer before that, but it was in the 1990s. And they thought, okay, well, how do we, how do we improve this? And so they built this hierarchy of evidence that started with opinion at the bottom and then case studies and then case control series, um, studies and then randomly controlled trials and then randomly controlled trials from meta-analysis and when i saw this um hierarchy of evidence a few years ago i thought well this is what marketers need because they kind of don't have a structure for this and quite often and so when i was thinking about it i thought well what does this how does this look for marketing so opinion is still at the bottom now opinion shouldn't be disregarded out of hand because opinion is often based on lots and lots of experience and so it's not necessarily wrong but you need to think well okay someone's come up with an opinion how do we push that up the hierarchy and the next level is case studies and so like if someone says hey i think actually we should do some sponsorship then the kind of next step is well have we got any evidence that shows that will work and then someone will do some googling and they might find some case studies so that's the sort of next level of evidence and it might say okay well this car company sponsored this sporting event and drove 20 percent incremental sales and then that then reinforces some of that opinion so you can go okay well that's slightly better than the opinion but then the kind of next step is like a kind of case series study now by a case series study that would be run by say for instance they collect up all these effectiveness awards and so you can take a slice of that and you can say okay automotive companies have done this kind of ratio between brand and performance advertising therefore um, we should try that so that's kind of the next level up and then you then you sort of switch from evidence about other companies to evidence about your own companies so things like okay well what does our own data say and that would be something like multi-touch attribution you could start using that level of evidence and then above that then it's tools like econometrics that is much better at doing that kind of macro picture and then ultimately again at the very top is a randomly controlled trial or an experiment now they are at the top because they will show you the causal impact of your campaigns of you actually yeah. acting and doing yeah, something material. You, can, you are essentially saying these people saw something these people did not see something they are part of the same audience they have the same attributes in that audience and the ones that saw it bought more responded to a survey differently 
feel a different way. And so that way, you that's the kind of highest level. But you can only do that on one or two things at a time. You have to keep pretty much everything else constant whilst you're doing that experiment. So you can only really do that on very small well you know you it can be a big spend but it's like you're only changing one variable at a time and so whilst it is the gold standard of measurement it's not you have to use all of the others and i think that more structured approach is quite a helpful way of thinking about it and even just thinking about it is quite helpful because then people start asking those questions and one of the things that I gave my team at Google is a card with a bunch of questions to ask in meetings. So that's really interesting. How can we test whether it will work here is one of the questions that I would get people to ask. Or that's fascinating. What evidence do you have that that works in our category? So those sort of challenge questions that you should have become really easy when you're thinking about the hierarchy of evidence because you're kind of thinking is this person just giving me an opinion what's the basis for this point and it gives people an a way of challenging and questioning um the quality of that evidence for the decision making which i think is the kind of key part of why you would use a, a hierarchy of evidence you have to have a culture of experimentation. There has to be a willingness to realize that you can't get, you can't be completely buttoned up and completely assured of performance. There has to be a willingness to realize that, you know, too often it's just not there. I mean, do you, do you come across that same situation or do you ultimately find that a data case uh, does make the case and provide management what they need, what they need in order to act? Yeah, it's interesting because I've, I've kind of had the experience of that quite recently. Um, and, we, you know, we, we ran Econometrics for the first time about a year ago um, where I am now, and we've run a refresh now. And the first time we did it, we kind of took it around all the senior leadership and we said, okay, this is how it's working. This is how it's not working. And they kind of bought into it to a certain extent. We kind of told them the theory beforehand. Um, and then we started making some changes within how we phased the marketing budget and what we spent money on. And then we've recently done the refresh and we're kind of building out the narratives to take back to the business at the moment. And what's fascinating is that now people are saying, hey, Hey, I know you. I know you were working on the econometrics. Is it ready? Can we have a look? We want to see what's working and what's not working. And these are nice. people within marketing and also outside marketing. So I think we've built that kind of culture of effectiveness. I don't think we're done by any stretch of the imagination because you know those there's sort of still plenty of opinion being used. Still plenty of people that have heuristics about what marketing is for and what marketing is not for but it's interesting to start seeing that i mean that reminds me one thing that um i used to run teams and we used to call ourselves insight teams and i love the word insight and i like what it means and i i quite like using it and saying i'm an insight professional and things like that what i realized is that that some people say well, yeah, it's just insight. It's just research. 
it's not like the hard numbers and so i start i switched by language from talking about insight to talking about evidence nice. very rarely does someone say yeah what we need is less evidence <laughs> quite often say what we need is less insight because people are sort of fed up with the kind of marketing insight people coming up with interesting things um happened a lot but i i like using the word evidence because it's sort of it seems to win over so that language thing is quite important talk about evidence people seem to listen talk about insight people think it's a bit fluffy what do you think are the key metrics to be tracking when you're designing a campaign and when i think about um, metrics that are important i'd say that the business metrics having those so sales volume sales value market share they're kind of critical metrics to have and you know like different categories will have different definitions for the things that they care about from a business point of view and then i think share of search is a really strong metric that we should be using much more um it it works very well um, it can predict market share very well. So it's a nice indicator to have on a dashboard because it moves faster and you get the information quicker than you get from market share data where you might be getting that once a year or once every six months, whereas you can get weekly, monthly, daily, if you really want it, data from share of search. And then I would want to have... I mean, it depends on the customer journey, but, you know, most brands will have website metrics and then you'd have your kind of brand survey type um, information. So if you're doing a monthly survey um, or a quarterly survey, having those brand metrics and the ones that I would favor is are people aware of us as a brand? I think that's a kind of critical one. Consideration, I think, is important in higher consideration categories i wouldn't worry about it so much for a lot of smaller categories some research companies that do brand tracking are starting to track brand salience which i think is really interesting because that's much more the sort of thing of measuring are you in someone's head and do they pull you out that that i think is much more interesting um and then your output metrics so we've got a marketing budget are we spending it how we said we were going to spend it and that's a really interesting one because i suspect that aren't the answer to that question is no we're not necessarily spending it quite how we planned it and so thinking about and then you've got a nice set of metrics so i've probably listed about 10 metrics that feels like you've got a balance between output outtake and outcome and having those kind of three one more time in that uh, out output so marketing output what are we pushing out into the world outtake what of our potential customers and customers understand about us or feel about us so what are they taking away from those communications and then outcome what's happening as a result are they taking action are they purchasing so tell us tell us why in in your opinion why has the measurement of marketing performance sort of become and that 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 goal why has it become more important in recent years 
is it because it's more possible than ever to understand uh, origin and effect? I think the biggest thing is that over the last, say, 20 years, finance teams and financial directors have seen this line on their P&L that keeps on growing. The cost of advertising and the cost of marketing is now often the biggest spend a business makes. And um, sometimes it's people before marketing, but it's certainly up there in the kind of top five. And so businesses have then started, finance teams have then started saying, well, what value are we getting out of this? And then um, I think also that you've got a lot of people within marketing that have are now in senior roles and they've been in digital marketing from the beginning of their careers. And so they expect to see more numbers. And so they that to that extent, they're used to measuring things and they want to carry on measuring things now that they're in more senior positions. I'm curious, from your work with Google and working with clients and helping them understand how to set up measurement and analytics systems, do you think that things are in fact set up right? Are clients equipped with what's needed to be more data-driven? I mean, certainly if you look at um, companies that maybe have founded in the last 10, 20 years that have been essentially digital native companies, so they were built on digital systems, so the likes of the kind of fintech players i know certainly they built their systems they built their measurement strategies kind of from scratch because they were building the databases as they were going and they knew exactly what they wanted and so they've always had good solid data availability older companies that are kind of older than 20 odd years it's very rare even within the tech space for those companies to have the right infrastructure you need to be quite deep into the infrastructure of a company to understand that. And so I think a lot of people in senior positions, client side, assume that they have good data and they're making decisions based on dashboards that they're seeing or spreadsheets that are being sent to them. But actually under the under the surface, that's kind of broken. Um, I think so that data availability is a real barrier to businesses um, being able to make better decisions about their marketing. Um, but then also above that, there's also a data literacy problem in that kind of if you think about where all the kind of top statisticians are going now, they're going into biotech industries. They're not necessarily thinking, okay, I'm going to cut my teeth in marketing and marketing analytics. And quite a lot of people that get into marketing are getting into marketing because they love the creative and they want to use creative to drive business. And then they suddenly arrive and go, oh, wow, everybody's just sending me spreadsheets. <laughs> I want to be looking at spreadsheets. And so that data literacy is a bit of a problem. And then uh, that point I made earlier about people that grew up with digital advertising they've always assumed that what's in the spreadsheet is accurate and they haven't necessarily thought about the things that can't be tracked. So if you imagine search advertising is a very good example, one that I know a fair bit about, 
it's very, very easy to say this advert was seen by 200,000 people. It was clicked on by 20,000 people. Those 20,000 clicks turned into 5,000 sales, and those clicks cost us um, $5,000. Therefore, it was costing $1 to sell this product. However, what's not measured, and this is one of the problems with a lot of the multi-touch attribution tools that people are using now in business, is that's not measuring the impact of the thing that happened that they saw on the TV or the out yes. of home, the, the billboard they saw, the conversation they had with their friends about um, the best pair of trainers and the sports person that they see wearing the trainers so all of those things are less measurable and don't get into the spreadsheet and so the kind of the search advertising or even all of the digital advertising is taking credit for the sale but there's a whole load of other things going on as well and that can then cause problems because the people who are now leading marketing have always had that view of the spreadsheet because they've grown up through digital marketing. And is, there, is there a is there a sort of a is there a solution to that that you've seen that can sort of you know can deal with this concern about sort of last click attribution? Is there are you seeing anything out there that gives you hope and in, in the aperture being opened up a little wider to understand the implications of things other than uh, digital ads? Yeah, I think there's well so. And, and digital advertising is amazing. Like I, I love digital advertising. Worked in in tech companies for a very long time, and think it works very well. Um, I think what's interesting is that some of the more modern dialogues about um, advertising are starting to kind of say, okay, well, we need a balanced set of measurement tools in order to do this. We need to blend these things together so that's that's happening econometrics is something that you know it's been around for i suppose since the 60s in the advertising industry but you know now big businesses there's not many that don't use econometrics so i think that that's starting to um and, and you, you see you see sort of the econometrics offering as being sort of a, a way to uh to assign attribution to all, to all of the factors that are assumed to be part of the process, right? Because and I, and I I bring that up only because um I hear econometrics mentioned when I have uh, guests on from Europe. I rarely hear it mentioned when I talk to guests here in the US. Can you briefly describe what econometrics is? Uh, what is its intent? Yeah, sure. So uh, so and it, it's often called in the US MMMs or media mix models. Um, so sometimes it is going on. Like I know a number of uh, US companies that that do use um, econometrics or media mix modeling. But essentially, it's a mathematical uh, way of kind of looking at what is all your marketing output um, over time. And then you take your sales over the same period of time. And what you're doing essentially is trying to find a correlation between your your marketing activity and your sales. Now, the reason why it's why it's better in in the macro view than say something like multi-touch attribution is you also include other variables, so things like the economy, 
um, the weather, the weather is a, always a very large factor in sales. I mean, if you imagine ice cream sales without weather, they would be fairly static all the year round. So um, that's that's a very clear um, example of that. But you include the non-marketing variables within the model as well. So then you're not essentially claiming all of the responsibility through the marketing. So you get a much more balanced view. And it's very good, Econometrics is very good at doing that, that kind of macro view, which is what is the overall contribution of your marketing and advertising on sales? And then within those, which channels have been responsible for driving um, the outcome? What it's very good for is giving you that macro view. What it's not very good for is in-channel optimization of like, okay, which campaign idea should we be running? Those sort of questions, you often need to use a different instrument. It will give you a kind of broad approach to what you are doing and how it's working and what you should do more of and what you should do less of. But it won't necessarily tell you which search campaigns to run or you know, unless you're very, very sophisticated, it won't give you much on creative. So it's sort of it's very good for the sort of annual planning and maybe quarterly replanning, but it's not very good for optimization. For that, you want to use different instruments. The way I think about that is that you you would think about your initial strategy. You would then make sure that you're running something like econometrics, a kind of more macro measurement approach every six months or every quarter or every year, whatever you can afford, in order to control the strategy. And then you would then use something like um, experimentation, so where you run two creatives head-to-head -head in a controlled environment to then work out the kind of more detailed, nuanced uh, questions. And then you'd use something like multi-touch attribution once you've set the budget with the econometrics for digital channels, you'd then use multi-touch attribution to optimize that those digital channels to make sure that you're getting the most value out of them. And then again, for the person who, like myself, that isn't that isn't as well versed in all of this, can you briefly explain multi-touch attribution? Sure. So multi-touch attribution is is often used within digital. Um, advertising, what that will do is it will look at all of your different digital channels and then you will give it a kind of target. You'll say, okay, well, what I want is to drive sales on this particular page of the website. And then what it will do is automatically increase or decrease the bidding or the spend on the channels that are doing the best for that outcome that you care about. So it's a very good tool to optimize your digital channels um, and it will do that automatically so you don't have to constantly be leaning on it and focusing on it. Now, um, that's really, really useful for, you know, automating your workflow if you're, if you're in a media team or a media agency. Um, it has some risks associated with it because it won't tell you about stuff that's outside of that. Um, so, you know, you can't really see that. It won't also tell you about things that work in order to create the demand, but then the demand happens somewhere else, like in store. I mean, some of the more sophisticated tools can do that, 
But if you imagine when the e-commerce sales are what between five and twenty percent, depending on um, the market and uh, the category, there's eighty percent that is never going to be explained by a multi-touch attribution tool because those sales aren't being captured in a way that then can be attributed back to the um, marketing and advertising that are driving them. So it it's good for optimizing some things, but it's got a lot of drawbacks as well, which is why you would want to balance that with a more macro instrument like econometrics and also um, experimentation as well, where you like, literally do things like split, split the country into, into two halves and try one thing in one half and another in another half. That's a massive oversimplification for how you would actually do it. But broadly, you get the idea. Does that make the case, um, Harry, for uh, clients to start owning more of the data and owning more of the reporting systems? I think so. I uh, I really do think so. I think the the difficulty with that is sometimes the clients don't necessarily have the capability in house to operate these things. So if I think about a lot of the larger customers at Google would use the Google marketing platform as one of their um, kind of platforms for measurement, and they would own the contract directly. But then they would give access to the agency to use it because the client didn't have the capability because it's actually quite a specialized thing to a specialized piece of equipment to to um, use. So it's sort of I I would say that that you want to have maybe better relate better contractual relationships with the agency where you know that there, there is the possibility of risk taking and getting things wrong and that should be encouraged because then you'll get more honesty um and then also thinking about that kind of well you want to own that data so you've got that long-term view in the client but you're going to need to have the capability um provided by agencies so i think you kind of need to do a mix of both it is uh, harry davies he's vp of marketing investment and effectiveness at Sage in London. Harry, thank you for so much of your time today. We really appreciate it. Thank you. It's been it's been a pleasure, and I've also been really enjoying the the uh, classic campaigns work that is on on strategy as well. That's been fascinating to listen to. So oh, I love it. I love that. it. So we will see everybody on the next episode in the series. Thanks. I uh, hope everybody enjoyed it.